You know, somebody said again this week that we're in a marathon, not a sprint. And I got to say, I kind of bristled at that. I mean, I'm not an athlete and I don't want to take anything away from marathon runners, but our marathon is not done in one day. And I started to think maybe we're more like the Tour de France, that weeks long race across Europe, going day in and day out, pedaling as hard as we can, we slog, and then we get to rest at night, and then we get up again in the next morning for another slog. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, yeah, the Tour de France, they, they ride in teams and they do have to keep safe distance from one another. They get too close, they'll crash. And they're pedaling. If they go too fast, they'll crash. If they cut corners, they may crash. And not only will they wipe out themselves, they may wipe out others nearby. And then going up those steep grades, they can't go too slow or grind to a halt because they could teeter off the bike or maybe not even make it up the mountain. And then I probably pushed it to the extreme thinking, yeah, and then these teams are vying against each other, like the different counties in California, like I've got it better, there's less virus here, we're controlling it here, we're bringing, we're cutting down the spread. And the same state to state, we've seen this jockeying over time. And then country by country, those countries are way ahead, like New Zealand and us falling further and further behind. And the scoring too, lowest number wins, cumulative score. Lowest number of infections. Worldwide, we're now at 11 million. Fatality rate, we want that to be the lowest. Infection and transmission rates. I mean, we know so much about rates now, and we count them up and we watch them. This is terrain that nobody has raced before. And unlike the Tour de France, where they know nine to 10 months ahead of time, how many mountain climbs there'll be, how many descents, and how to plan it out, we are blind. And we're in this weird viral world where in a sense, we're creating the terrain by how well we move together. And then if this isn't hard enough, we've got these terrible storms, not just the storm, not of our making the virus, but the storms of our making, a broken health system, no housing, and then this horrible hailstone triggered by the murder of George Floyd, the hailstorm of racism, one that has been present, one that has been raining hail upon a track that many in this country have been blind to, a parallel track of racers who have been perpetually racing through hail, through earthquakes, through rock sides, into quicksand, and now we've got the hard work of trying to merge our roots together. So when I hear the gospel morning, reading this morning and that very end, all I can think is, yes, Jesus, we are weary. Yes, Jesus, I hear, we hear your call loud and clear in today's gospel. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. And Jesus, we need help.
We need rest ever so badly. Our race isn't ending in a month or two or three, and again, to push it too far, I feel like we've got to race across the Atlantic. We've got to race all the way across the United States with all these storms. And so, my friends, sprinkled out wherever you are this morning, can we all hear Jesus' promise? I will give you rest. And what do we think about this incredibly loving invitation? Come to me. Come rest with me. Because at the bottom of each and every one of our souls, we are fatigued. So he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Recently, the clergy of our diocese had the benefit of hearing from a trauma expert about the emotional life cycle of disasters. And she shared what's been learned over the decades from survivors of devastating natural events like earthquakes and hurricanes and fires. And she said, There's, there is a clear chart. At the beginning, you know, we're, we may be way up here, and then there's the shock. And then often a heroic response, like we even saw in our state with the pandemic, heroic response like we've seen with the protest. And then there's even a little climbing up to a honeymoon period where we have cohesion in our communities and we've come together. But then reality starts sinking in and there's disillusionment. The honeymoon ends and we fall into living with the reality of the impact of what's happening, the pain of what we've lost, the pain of what may have been gone in many dimensions in our society for decades, if not centuries. We feel the pain of what's been stripped away and that normal is not here and it may never be the normal we knew before. There's also the impact of all the work that needs to be done. And that's when, she said, we begin working through that grief, dealing with that grief, and starting to rebuild, starting to reconstruct and construct a new normal. And throughout this emotional life cycle, golly, I hadn't thought of cycle like cycling. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, throughout this emotional life cycle, we can swing way up and way down, even multiple times of the day, she said. And this is a time where we are now in this impact and, and grieving and rebuilding. It's a time of incredible strain at home, whatever our home life where we have been trying to keep ourselves safe may be. It's a time when rates of substance abuse, domestic violence, eating disorders, self-harm, addictions, divorce, all rise. It's a time when symptoms of mental illness and other illnesses can intensify. And it's also a time, she said, when we may find ourselves anywhere on that emotional life cycle. We may find ourselves feeling exhilarated, connected with community, and then bam, even in the same day, grieving the loss. 
So according to her and to experts in trauma recovery, it's pretty normal for us to feel abnormal. It's normal for us to feel brain fog, she said, forgetfulness, and even for us to be more accident prone. So yeah, with all that, Jesus, we are weary. I have to say, I get the benefit of looking at our beautiful big Jesus up there with his arms outstretched, saying, I am weary, ready to come to you, ready for rest. But what, was, what does this rest look like? Jesus tells us, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus says, is easy, and my burden is light. Now, in Christ's lifetime, we have a role modeling of what he did for physical rest, for spiritual rest, for emotional rest. Think about how many times he withdrew to pray. How many times after big, you know, Sermon on the Mount, after big intense times or right before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, he withdrew to pray. He withdrew for restoration. I was on a pilgrimage once in the Holy Land and we got up to Caesarea Philippi and our guide was an Anglican priest and mystic and he took us up this hill sat us along a little brick wall that just looked up at the mountain and the trees. And he told us, look around. Look at the leaves. Look at the undergrowth. And then he said, this is where Jesus came to hang out with his father, immersed in his father's creation, immersed in the beauty of creation. And this is how Jesus was restored so for us, part of the learning is that we too need withdrawal time. And maybe that is out in nature, but you know, this weekend we can't do it at the beach because of uh, the spike in viruses. Maybe it's a bath. Maybe it's a drive. Maybe it's quiet time in your room. Maybe it's a nap. And then Jesus tells us for rest, we are to take his yoke on ourselves, not the yoke of the world. And with that yoke, learn from him, learn how to navigate our lives directed by him, in sync with his will, guiding us on the road. So this is also promise, where the promise for rest of our souls happens. We can choose to be harnessed by worldly powers and whims and feel that burden or we can give that burden over to God and be harnessed with Christ. We can reject God. And there are many in the beginning of the gospel reading, there's the examples of people rejecting Jesus, saying, oh, he's a glutton. He's just hanging out with tax collectors, sinners, rejecting the message of John the Baptist. Yet the message is to come into the loving, liberating, life-giving life in Christ. So having a yoke upon us 
And part of growing into rest is actually doing the work that God gives us to do. Yet Jesus is saying that with him, harnessed to him, his yoke is easy. So rest for our souls can mean restoration, but it doesn't mean escape from reality. Rest means surrendering, surrendering our burdens to God and walking in Christ's ways. Rest means surrendering to divine guidance instead of plowing ahead the way we think we need to go, hopping from row to row, relying on our own imperfect struggling selves to get direction. Rest means admitting, in a sense, our powerlessness. We are powerless over this virus, but we do in acting in harness and in, in conjunction with Christ and loving others as Christ loved us, we do have some work to do to keep each other safe, and we can keep each other safe. Jesus can lovingly teach us how to walk his way, which is a way of love. The yoke of this world is heavy. And we are seeing writ large the impact of bearing this yoke of racism. This yoke for me is a white person of incredible privilege. The yoke of Jesus, by contrast, is light. It's one of love. It's one of guidance. It's one of transformation. It means being yoked to the one in whom God's justice and mercy and compassion breaks into this world. And that's an inbreaking we get to participate in. It means being yoked to the one who's freed us from the bondage of sin and offers forgiveness to all, frees us from the bondage of self to adopt the image and likeness of Christ. Freedom of the value, from the values of this world, values based on worldly power, accumulation, wealth. Freedom from that to live in the riches of God's love. For in Christ, in God, we are loved for who we are, totally imperfect, and at the same time, children of God. And in Christ, we are loved for who we are, regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey or on this emotional life cycle of a disaster. This is the easier path. And it's a path he calls us to walk. And there's an idiomatic translation of the Bible called the message, which tries to update and put, put the gospel into colloquial words and uh, the author, Eugene Peterson, put this call this way. In his words, or his translation, he says, are you tired, worn out, maybe even burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
So this morning, yes, Jesus, I am so ready for your company. We are all so ready for your company, ready to walk with you, to bike with you, because we all need your rest for our souls. Amen.